and hear all you who fear the Lord, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. In a deceptive and backwards world, we are starved for true identity, purpose, and most of all, hope. We want to be loved, encouraged, and known. We are desperate for a tribe to rejoice with, lament with, and to break bread with as his kingdom comes. This season on Basket Full of Bread, you will hear more stories of God's resurrecting power and biblical heart transformations that have altered future generations. We will armor up and I'll pray for you and all the saints. And together, we will see God's promises unfold and petition to be overcomers. We will marinate in the book of Romans, belly laugh, chat about heaven-sent approaches for healing, see the miraculous in Juniper, rope Matt into some Matt chats, and God willing, there will be a beautiful birth story along the way. Hi, you guys. My name is Bethany, and I'm grateful you're here. Hi, you guys. Welcome back to Basket Full of Bread. I have been waiting to hear from the Lord for this next episode. I started a series um, a little bit ago called Heaven Sent. And in that episode, I started to share a little bit of my health history and just the journey that the Lord um, took me on with kind of opening my eyes up to the nourishment that he's created um, around us through plants and and herbs and, um, you know, just the miraculous that he can do. Um, but this series is not just going to be about like health and like health food, I'm learning. Um, it's It's really going to have a supernatural component to it. And so when the Lord kind of stirred my heart to share on this topic today, I was um, kind of tickled, <laughs> as they say in the South, because I was like, of course, this is how the Lord would, would do it. And I think it's just going to be so fun. So without further ado, grab your Bibles. We are going to be looking all throughout scripture today. This episode is all about feasting and fasting. Um, we're going to specifically talk predominantly about fasting. That's like the, the nitty gritty I want to share. Um, but as I was doing my study on this and kind of like seeking the Lord, um, fasting was just so, it was like hand in hand with feasting. It was like I couldn't separate the two um, in my mind and in my heart as I kind of prepared for this. And so, you know, I've talked about this before, you guys, but the Lord loves to set a table for us, right? In Psalms 23, Psalms 23, 5, he says, um, what does he say? The Lord will prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. 
And um, all throughout scripture, you know, in the Old Testament, it's God (laughs) wanting to dwell over literal meals with the Israelites. Um, And it's also um, Jesus modeling feasts and celebrations. Um, you know, in the old Testament is the, all the biblical feasts, all the feasts of like all the different things that, um, the Jewish calendar is celebrating throughout, um, the year, which I did like so much studying on a couple of years ago, um, which is so intriguing. And maybe one day I'll dig into that, um, with you guys, but, um, feasting and celebrating over food, is something that God loves. It's a part of the Father's heart because he is our provider and it delights him to provide for us. Um, If you go all the way back to Genesis, um, I'm reading in a a CSB Bible, you guys. I've I've transitioned to a new Bible. Um, I'm really excited. I'm going to save my my other one, my King James one for baby Juniper, um, to have whenever she's of age, if the earth remains God willing. And, um, I just thought how sweet it would be to like, just start to, as I use up a Bible, because I mark all in my Bibles to just like ask the Lord, like, who is this for? Which one of my children, since I'm about to have four kids, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, okay. I'm going back to Genesis at the very, very beginning when God is creating, um, the earth and he's creating everything in it. In Genesis 1, um, you know, scripture says, Genesis 1, 9, um, actually no, 1, 11, let the earth produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth bring fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And it was so, and the earth produced vegetation. It it produced seed bearing um, plants according to their kinds and trees. So everything is being produced, the kinds, the trees, the seeds, and it was good. Then you, if you go over to Genesis 2, um, when this is kind of like re, you know, it talks about the mist. Uh, I was just talking with my friend Sarah about that. I love Sarah. Shout out to the mist. We love the mist because the Lord first watered everything with mist from the ground. That has always been one of my favorite um, facts because it hadn't rained yet. Um, But if you go down to Genesis 2, and it says, the Lord, this is 2-9, the Lord caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden. Um, Not only was the original creation of food pleasing to the eye, it was beautiful, but um, well, <laughs> I kind of like came before this statement. God created the food in the garden before he created man. He created the food not only to be sustenance, but to be beautiful 
and he had it already established before he then decided to create man, which I think is such an awesome fact about the heart of the father because he is wanting to create, you know, back in Genesis one, he created the whole environment. He created the whole ecosystem. He created, um, everything except for human beings and animals. So that it was all set up. The, the house was made, right? The provisions were all there. They were not only were they good to eat, but they were pleasing to the eye. And I'm like, man, this is the father's heart. You go through scripture, the old Testament, especially talking about the feast and talking about how to set the table, which I've talked about on here. You guys like God cared about the silverware, you know, like he cared about beauty. Like he cares about that. And for a long time, I got so trapped into like beauty is fleeting and charm is deceptive. And it's like, you know, there's a difference between beauty and vanity. God was never vain about his creation. He was creating it to be good and lovely. And I think that's just such a beautiful distinction because that is just so the Father's heart. Um, there's several scriptures I'll reference here, and I'll put them in um, the description down there. Isaiah 25, 6 um, talks about um, feasting with rich food and aged wine. Um, and then, you know, I, I referenced all the biblical feasts. Those are all in Leviticus. Really, honestly, all throughout the Old Testament, you'll see feasts. Um, and, and honestly, guys, I'm just scraping the surface. If you did a study of the Bible on feasts, it would be like it, it, the deepest of the deep. Luke 14, 13. Um, I'm actually going to flip there because I want to read this scripture. Um, this is where Jesus is talking about if we have a feast, what should that feast look like? And bear with me because I'm working in a new Bible, you guys. So I'm like, okay, let me find my pages. Okay, 1413. It says, and you will be blessed. Okay, wait, hold on. 1413. On the contrary, when you host a banquet, invite those who are poor, maimed, lame, or blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you, you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. He's talking about, this is, um, the parable where Jesus is teaching about humility and it's the parable of the banquet. And, um, but he's talking about, that's the heart of when you have a big feast and a big celebration, these are the types of people that God wants you to invite. That's the father's heart at a feast. You don't invite just like, you know, the cream of the crop or just your best friends. And that to me, I was like, oh, wow, Lord, I want to live that out. You know, I want, I want to walk that out. I know people all throughout my life who've done that. And I'm like, I want to be one of those people. I want to invite, you know, whoever I see that the spirit, you know, stirs in my heart, the poor, you know, and, and not just the poor, but the poor in spirit, you know, um, then, um, let's see Luke 14, 15, which is just, you just read on a little bit further in that parable. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Okay, 
You guys know I love a good bread. I love a good bread scripture. There's this whole spiritual food, right, that Jesus references to. Like, you guys know nothing about the the bread that I have, the food that I have, the bread of life. Um, Man, it's so, so good. There's this whole element of nourishment, kingdom of heaven bread, that we get only by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's good, and it's lovely to our hearts. Another scripture that we read often in our house is in Luke 22, 19 through 20. This is where Jesus is having the Passover and they're having this feast celebration together and his body and his blood is introduced for the first time. They're partaking in communion together. What is communion? Communion is a feast. It's a feast to remind us of who the Lord is and to remind us of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and how he died for us, that his body was broken. His body is the bread. His, his blood is the wine. Um, and then there's a scripture in Luke 13. I'm staying in the gospels here for a minute, 1329. Um, and this is only just a couple that I wrote down. You guys, there's so many. Um, it says, They will come um, from the east and the west, from north and south, to share the banquet in the kingdom of God. Note this, some who are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. Okay, this is um, Jesus, if you go up a little bit, he's talking about the narrow path, and he's talking about Um, what it's like to be walking with the Lord. And, you know, it's like the upside down kingdom. It's so contrary to what has ever been taught. But he's saying that people are going to come from all over to share in the banquet in the kingdom of God, which means um, we will all be together one day having a banquet with the Lord. Can you even imagine what that is even going to be like? Uh, it's referenced in Revelation 19, 6 through 9. It talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19, 6. Then I heard something like a voice of a vast multitude, like the sound of cascading waters and like the rumbling of loud thunder saying, Hallelujah. Because our Lord God, the Almighty reigns, let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has prepared herself. She was given fine linen to wear, bright and pure, for the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said to me, Right blessed are those invited to the marriage feast, of the lamb. He also said to me, these words of God are true. And then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and sisters who hold firmly to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God 
because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You guys know, like, yes, there's the, it's the metaphorical and the physical, but you better believe there's going to be some feasting. I do believe that. I do believe the Lord will set a table um, and we'll fellowship together because that is, that's his heart. That is so his heart. And he modeled that through Jesus. Um, in Luke 5, 29, Jesus is eating with tax collectors where, you know, all the places where Jesus would sit down and have a meal. And part of that, you know, is Jewish culture. It's super centered around meals and foods, but that's God's chosen people and God's chosen people give an example of his heart, right? Um, and that's another example of just like, who are you banqueting with? You know, the least of these, the people that nobody likes or doesn't love. Um, Song of Solomon 2, 4 talks about the banqueting house, the banner of his love. Let me see if I can get to Song of Solomon in a decent time here, you guys. With <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I'm doing sword drills. All right. Shout out to my swords drill people, but this is good for me because I really have to get to know this, like where everything is in here. This is a CSB study Bible, by the way, and I am loving it. I've been, had my eye on this Bible for a while. And, um, you know, I just like, I was like, you know, what? I think it's time. I think it's time. Like I'm, I'm wrapping up a season here and I think it's time to go ahead and make the transition into something new. And it's always hard. I kind of have to slowly transition, but it's actually been really awesome because I'm really just like studying. Okay. I made it. Two, four says, um, oh, I love this. He brought me to the banqueting hall. And he looked on me with love. I love that. The banqueting hall. And it's, you know, again, Song of Solomon is just the heart of the Father for us, his bride. The banqueting hall, you know, is a very majestic eating arena full of lavish decorations and foods and wines and all the things. And just imagining like, that's the father's heart for us. He takes us there figuratively. Um, but also I feel like he like truly would love to take us to a banqueting hall. Hi, you guys. Future Bethany here. I am letting you know that this has uh, been recorded on a couple different days because of life. Um, so you will hear a fluctuation in my voice, obviously, day to day. Um, but the word is still the same. So thanks for sticking with me. All right. So moving on into our hunger, feasting scriptures. Um, there's of course the famous scripture in Matthew five, six, which is, uh, the beatitude sermon, right? And this is where Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. And so there he is again, correlating feasting hunger. Okay. 
and thirst with a spiritual provision from the Lord and saying, we'll be filled. We will receive that. So if you go back and you look all through the Old Testament, all through um, you know, the Israelites and everything that they walked through with the Lord, God was their great provider. And then even in, in the New Testament, um, the provision is there through Jesus. We're looking at John six thirty five. So it says, I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry. No one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me and yet you do not believe. Hmm. Everyone the Father gives everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given to me, but should raise them up on the last day. And he goes on to talk more about the will of his father. But just the way Jesus refers to himself as a bread of life, you know, I don't know if you've ever sat with somebody who um, just doesn't have the Holy Spirit, just doesn't have Jesus. And um, it's like, I've never like noticed it before, but it's like, man, they seem dead. Like they really don't seem um, like they're like alive. It's like the craziest thing when, when the Lord starts to give you eyes to see like the living and the dead and the bread of life, you know, it's not just life, it's the abundant life. I sat on this episode, you guys, for a little while because, um, you know, it's, those are hard words to say, you know, calling somebody dead who, and I don't say that lightly, who isn't walking with Jesus because maybe you're not walking with Jesus and you're like, you just called me dead. <laughs> I'm so sorry if you're offended. Um, but you know what? Um, there is so much more when you're walking with the Lord and, um, it is the abundant life. And I don't say those words lightly or with, you know, any type of malice in my heart. I say them out of like sorrow for anyone who hasn't found that great joy in, in their creator, because, um, your heart and soul, whether you know it or not is crying out to be in fellowship with the God who made you. Um, that night, I think that I was working on this podcast, maybe it was two nights in, I, I was really wrestling with it. You guys wouldn't believe what, what stirred up when I started working on this little feasting and fasting thing. And I'm going to get into that in the next couple episodes, but, um, second Timothy four one, I want to read that to you guys. Um, this just like came into my brain in the middle of the night when I went to get up to go potty. And I was like, what? I just thought about it differently than I ever have before. Um, so second Timothy four, one, I'm going to read to you. Um, it says, I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead because, because of his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, 
but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And, you know, if you guys haven't read First and Second Timothy, it's the tiniest little books. Go read them, especially right now. They are so... They have never been more relevant, honestly, in the in the days that we live in. But this the the words that were ringing in my mind and in my heart were that he is going to come back to judge the living and the dead. And I don't know why, but for some reason, I thought in my brain, like in my subconscious, you know, I grew up saying the Apostles' Creed. Some of you guys know that I grew up and I got confirmed in the Lutheran Church. Um, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And at the very end of it says, um, he will come back to judge the living and the dead. And that's taken right out of scripture. You can you can find that he'll come back to judge the living and the dead all over scripture. But I had this revelation with the Lord in the wee hours of the night that the living and the dead were not people that are alive, walking around with beating hearts and people that are dead, you know, because there's all this debate on like, well, what about all the people that died before Jesus came, you know, blah, blah, all this stuff. So you, so in my mind, I just thought, oh, you know, in the last day, you know, who knows what I even thought, but I just, I didn't piece together that the dead that he's talking about are people that are walking around, probably living and breathing, doing their day-to-day life, but they are dead. And when God starts to open your eyes up to the living and the dead, you can't unsee it. You can't stop. Uh, like it, it's, it's, it's almost like whoa. It's it's almost um, beyond. Like I don't know how to describe it to you, but I feel like I've always been a very sensitive person to that type of spiritual atmosphere. Um, but it seems more recent that, um, in my spirit, it's, it's undeniable when I sit in a circle or sit with someone who is so far from the Lord, who is dead, who has not been made alive in Christ. And, um, maybe you guys already knew this about that scripture and this is not blowing your mind, but it blew my mind. I just thought, gosh, I need to go look up the original root words. So I just, it was was revolutionary for me. And um, I just pray that God will just give us eyes to see that because what does Paul go on to say here um, to, in his writing, what does he go on to, or um, yeah, it is Paul. Paul Paul wrote to Timothy, Um, I think, right? Let me me take a look at that. Um, But he goes on to say, that because he's going to come back to judge the living and the dead, it's so important that we are alive and we do what? We preach the word. We, we do these things that we're called to do. And this is all a part of that spiritual feasting that is a part of the abundant life. All of these things um, go hand in hand with that whole concept of the feast and I just, I encourage you guys to go study this word um, and just, just meditate on it with, with our father and ask him, Lord, how can I, how can I fulfill this? Um, what can I do to, to 
be self-controlled in everything, to endure hardship, to work as an evangelist, to fulfill your ministry. What is my ministry? Um, if you are alive, then this is a part of this spiritual feast that we're, we should be doing. We should be setting a table um, for the dead, the living and the dead, for our brothers and sisters who are in this journey with us, but also people that are so far um, from him. Okay, conf- confirmed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> of course, First and Second Timothy is written by Paul. These are letters to Timothy. Okay, um, but I wanted to let you guys know. I looked up the word "dead" necros. I looked up "living and dead," and the "living" it means to be alive, like quite literally to be alive, living, breathing, um, operating with life, which I think is very interesting that they use that word. And then necros for dead, which properly also means breathe is last life, lifeless, deceased, um, one whose soul is in heaven or hell, um, then destitute of life without life, inanimate. Okay. But then it goes down and it says spiritually dead, destitute of life that recognizes and is devoted to God. So it doesn't have the life that recognizes God or is devoted to God because it's given up to the trespasses and sin inactive as respects doing right. I find that so remarkable destitute of force or power inactive inoperative, you know, the living and the dead. Every time that's talked about the judgment that's going to occur, those that are dead are the ones, the people that have been given up to their sin and their trespasses, right? And when we invite Jesus into our lives and we sit down at his table and we receive great grace and forgiveness of sin, we are no longer given up to the depths of the consequences of death because what is sin? It's death. It's it's partaking in death. And so we have life. And so I just think that's so lovely and um, poetic but also just so real because when you look at um, the lives of the living and the dead walking among us, you can see fruit and the fruit is either delicious from the outside to the inside or it's rotten, right? From the, I mean, it might look nice on the outside. Most likely though, it's rotten if you really have eyes to see through and through. And so I just think that's beautiful. Um, I'm using the Blue uh, Letter app. If you guys haven't heard of that, it's called the Blue Letter Bible app. It's free. And it it does use the King James Version, um, which is a very poetic version of the Bible. But you can go into and um, very easily find the original Strong Concordance um, vocabulary. And I've just loved this for my Bible study. So if you haven't downloaded it, you should because you can really, there's all sorts of um, different, like, um, um, oh, what do they call them? There's all the concordances and Strong's, you know, definitions and that kind of thing, which just tells you what the root words were originally supposed to be. Um, But then there's commentaries. That's what I'm looking for from different figures. Um, Some of them are well-known, some of them not so much. And I always find that interesting to read through another person's perspective of God's word. The biggest takeaway I think that I have received from this 
feasting perspective is that we are all worthy of the feast because that's who Jesus came to feast with. We are the delight of our father and he wants to be in fellowship with us. And so because we have the opportunity to put on the royal robes of Jesus because of his blood, because he died for us, we're worthy to sit at a table with him. And um, in the Old Testament, you know, they had to do all the different atonement things to be worthy to fellowship with the Lord. It was so hard to keep all this Torah, all this law. Um, And it was just like a constant cycle. But because of Jesus coming and saying so clearly, I have come to do the will of my father. And the will of my father is to save everyone. Um, it's an open invitation. So not only is there this open invitation to everyone, to the living and the dead, um, to this feast with the Lord of abundance and provision and supernatural uh, sustenance and physical sustenance, right? But there's this... um, provision of what to wear, which is we put on our, our royal garments. We put on Jesus. Um, and so this is important because if you've ever talked with anybody who, um, is like homeless or who is, um, super poor and you want to invite them to come somewhere, even to just come to church, one of the main things people will say is, I don't, I don't have anything to wear. I don't like, I I don't, I don't have anything that would be appropriate. And it goes back to that parable, right? That um, we talked about in the beginning. Um, And, you know, what does Jesus tell us? You know, it doesn't matter, you know, what somebody's wearing, that kind of thing. But if you think about this from a spiritual side, um, you know, God has given us freely the gift of um, life of a royal (laughs) I'm like making this metaphor, you guys. I'm like trying so hard to find the vocab for it. And I really can't. If you understand what I'm saying, I'm saying that when we put on Jesus, when we receive him into our heart and we are clothed by our father in heaven, by his son, um, we're worthy to come sit at the table. And that is an invitation from the least of these to the quote unquote greatest of these. And so uh, I just want to encourage you today that, um, you know, whatever that looks like, if if it's maybe you need to spend some time in repentance because your your vision is clouded and you're not realizing the provision that God has given you. Maybe there's like a um, a lack of gratitude. Maybe maybe we're feeling like um, unworthy. Maybe we are feeling like, how could I, who am I? You know, I'm, I am the worst of the worst, you know, I've got good news for you. <laughs> That's who Jesus came for, um, for people like me and you. And so I would encourage you to receive that grace and, um, but also challenge you to take up, um, you know, the authority that you have 
by wearing Jesus, by being clothed in righteousness and covered by the blood of the lamb, like we have an authority in the spiritual realm and the spiritual places that if you realized it, if, if we woke up every day and operated in the authority that we have by the power of the cross, by the power of Jesus, if we did that, you guys, oh, if we did that every single day, demons would flee, okay? The enemy would stop breaking into your house and robbing you. We would, we would be operating in the abundant life. And that is what God wants for us every single day. We've got to get there. We've got to have those eyes to see that we are not a slave to... <laughs> the depravity that the dead are. If you have claimed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the enemy can't even can't even look at you without vomiting and having to run and flee. So Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that my friend listening today, that we would we would together as one body, God, that we would operate with the authority that we have been given by the power of your son, Jesus. And so by the power of you, the Father, the the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray just a special anointing on my friend today that um, they would receive all that's been given the provision, the abundance that you have, and they would receive it with joy, and that they would receive it with um, a heart's desire and a longing to pour it out to everyone around them, that you would give us eyes to see what our ministry is, Father, and that we would be diligent to work hard for you, God, that um, we would have hearts, we would have grateful hearts for the provision Um, and for just the delight you have for us, that you truly love us through and through, and you've given us everything we need, more than we can ask for or imagine. And we love you so much, Lord, and we are so thankful. In Jesus' name, amen.